this week, Three Sides of the Coin, we have an amazing story about Small Ace and his <laughs> alien friends. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. I'm one of your three co-hosts this week, only three, Michael Brandvold, Tommy Summers, and Mark Cicchini. Woohoo! And, and, and of course, we'll, I mean, I don't know, you're almost like an Izzy on our show at this point, Peter. I don't know if that's an insult or not. That's a horrible insult. Why, why don't you just say that he's an alumni and leave it at that? An alumni. I bet he just eat Pete, 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 the Steve Pete, Martin of Three Sides. Peter yes. Arquette is back. This is what third, fourth time at least. Number six. Number six. Six. Holy smokes! Yeah, I got my five. I got my five timers jacket last time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 Like that shade of gold. <laughs> <laughs> I was last on December of eighteen. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh-oh. We lost video. No, we didn't. Oh, uh-huh. that's just you. It's just you. It's Mark. I, Peter, I do not see Peter anymore. No, I do. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> go on with the show. Oh, now. there he goes. There he goes. Yeah, it, 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 Peter, I mean, it doesn't have to be explained, but anytime there's a technical issue on Mark's end, we just ignore it because it's Mark. I've seen it. It's Mark. My router has been kicking ass for quite some time. Yeah. We're still not that, used that, to that's it. That's true. I mean, I, I yeah. must say that, that Lisa now has had more than her fair share of technical issues and plumbing. Now we have to contend with the toilet above Lisa whenever she records with us. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do? I mean, you know, we're not we're not paying for any production quality standards here, so why would we? Somebody drops a deuce above Lisa's head, you're gonna hear it. um all right so uh before we get things rolling here i just want to remind everybody we've got three sides of the coin radio is back head over to station head install the station head app ios devices right now android next year and uh just search for three sides or go to three sides of the coin radio.com it'll take you there as well and we are playing KISS music, KISS-related music. Something, it's, it's six degrees of separation from KISS. 24-7, 365. Never goes off the air. That's awesome. It's fun. And did they say yet about the Android? Like, is it early next year or they're not I, even I, saying I that? think they, I had heard in, in an email, like, early. But, you know, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means, you know... We, well, we just had to be patient and wait, but at least we didn't pay for it. I was just going to say we're not we're not collecting any money and promising you 
you know, early next and year. Beyond in January, yeah. So it's like costing you nothing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So give it a listen. We've got, I think I checked today, over 16 hours of KISS and KISS-related songs that are in rotation right now on our station. It's like 250 songs, and it's songs by KISS, cover songs of other bands covering KISS, um, demos. Uh, we've got albums that have been produced by KISS members, songs that were written by KISS members, and a whole bunch of bands that opened for KISS. So it's a good variety. It's a good mix. So go check it out, Station Head. Get that app, install it, give it a listen. Um, Tommy, any comments to share? Well, you know, I was kind of thinking about that because there are a lot of comments, but most of them for the newest episode, because those of you that have, have listened or know, it is about the go-to albums we would have for Kiss Records and other bands. So pretty much most of them are just, hey, these are my go-tos, here are my three Kiss ones. Uh, I do have to say, though, I think the one I would mention is Brad D., uh, from Oklahoma, wonderful gentleman. He uh, really went to town on this and wrote out a very long, long choice with all these different bands that I hadn't heard of before or I was aware of them but didn't know any of their records. So I'm going to say to you guys, go to the the site, the YouTube page, and look at somebody's, some of these answers because you might find some new music that you're not aware of that other KISS fans like that you'll be like, hey, this is great, I found it. So that I think that's probably more appropriate this week. And hey, Tom, I did, because I, I, I went through them. By the way, I loved his comment too. He, he, had, he went really, really deep well with his picks and I really enjoyed them. I liked the way he did it too. It was easy to read. You just kept going across, yes. going across. Yeah. It was really cool. Hey, Tom, any any chance you can? I love the one letter. I don't know if you have it in front of you. I've got. I'm, I'm looking at the YouTube right now. Um, the, the gentleman that uh, said that uh, how fair he thought we were, and then uh, not to go into that too much, but I really thought that was. I thought that was a nice commentary on uh, on some of the things that. Uh, that we uh, we go through over here. Um, yeah, are we talking about um, Steinman, A. Steinman? Uh, he said, "I thought the last three episode, uh, last three three, last three sides episode was great. You guys didn't do anything wrong, in my opinion. Your guest was great talking about Tom Shannon. Episode was very informative. Uh, I never miss an episode." You know, and he said, by the way, I do regularly post on Kiss FAQ, but I disagree with the knuckleheads that the trash talk, um, excuse me, that they talk trash about you at all. I try to set them straight on what you actually said and not what they think they heard, That which is a really important part. Um, like you have said, I don't believe the ones who talk trash actually listen all the way through. Some of us over here on the FAQ do love your podcast. Keep up the excellent work. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I read that and then I forgot because it's kind of buried. You have to look for it and then read more. Um, we like the FAQ 
board as far as there's a lot of wonderful fans on that board it's when we were saying cesspool or we referred to that what at least the three of us are talking about is just the 10 12 14 people however many there are that are just total nightmares and if julian would just get rid of them problem would be solved and probably be a better board for all of you but none of that's up to us that's up to julian to make those decisions so when we talk about that we're not necessarily referring to everybody that is on that site making comments yeah i i I, the thing that i liked most about that is there's there's somebody who listens to this show and again i just appreciate it that it's from the heart um, much like I said last episode, the, and again, I, you know, it's free speech, do whatever you want, but it perplexes me when people, uh, you know, like I called it last week, internet logic, they start spouting stuff that they're obviously making up. And that just blows my mind. Um, you know, now, Peter, I just I want to segue this into you as somebody who sells kiss stuff and is so active in the kiss fan world i'm sure you've read a thing or two about yourself that you went um where did they get that from um how do you deal with stuff like that or you or you do what we do we just don't you know Um, i'm not on any type of social media at all so so so, so he has no idea the crap that's being said about him well well i tell you what I, i don't know if you remember this Peter, many years ago, 20 plus years ago, I wrote to somebody who was saying bad things about you and you were, I was just coming to defense of my friend. Do you, do you remember that? That was like more like 25 or 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah, like, but I mean, it was a long time ago. But I guess yeah, that there's some, yeah, there's like back in the early days, there was like the original nutheads that were just, yeah, that's when we just had email and message boards, you know. Um, yeah, I, I do. It's like I I don't pay attention to it. I got better things to do, really. Mm-hmm. And there you go. That's the perfect answer right there. Yeah, I just do my best. I treat everybody well as best I can. Not perfect, but, you know, I uh, and, most, and usually people treat me the same way, so it worked out. Perfect answer. So anyways, go to the YouTube site check out the comments there's some really cool um band ideas ones we hadn't brought up and i learned something new and there's some stuff i'm going to check out off of brad's list i i i would add real quick we are still this is like two weeks into it we're still waiting for someone anyone to confirm what we lied about in our magic episode We've been mm-hmm. repeatedly accused of lying, yet nobody has been able to step up and tell us what we lied about. Not one. Not one. Kind of funny, isn't it? It is. So if somebody's out there watching today, bring it up. We're, we're more than happy to, to have you on and tell us what we lied about. And listen, the honest truth, if, if we realize that was a lie, we'll apologize. Absolutely. That's a heavy show, guys. That well, was. we're done with that now. We'll move on. Brought, to brought a lot of tears to some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, Peter was brought in by Mark today. We could say this is Mark's guest. Number six. Number, Number six. six. 
And this, uh, matter of fact, Pete and I were on the the Kiss Cruise again, and uh, we got to talking, and Pete's like, hey, you know, if you ever need a, need someone to come in, he goes, I got a lot more stories, and Pete started sharing some of them with me to, uh, then, and, and uh, Pete, one of the things that I want to talk to you today, I guess it would be the history interviews, if you can elaborate on uh- that fascinating oh, yeah. stuff so uh pete take it away well yeah you know you know uh, everybody's familiar with ken sharp and the yeah. written and everything he's one of the main people behind the history book but in uh 94 95 ken was doing interviews with everybody like pulling people out <clears throat> people we haven't heard of people that we've heard from for a long time uh Ken is a f- couple years older than a few years older than your average kid, and so I think he was. I remember he was like 31 at the time, and I was like, I don't know, eight or seven or something. Like, wow, he's like so old, 31. And you know, for a Kiss fan, your typical Kiss fan is now what, like 50, 49, 50, 51. Probably. I'm 56 today, Mark. Very <clears throat> happy birthday, happy Peter. Happy birthday. Hey, happy birthday! I didn't know that. And. Uh, where is I going? So, but see, Ken, he's uh, being a little older. He knew more. He knew how to get in touch with. He knew how to dig up all the guys from Wicked Lester, for instance. Those guys, they've been doing the Kiss Expos and stuff. They wouldn't have surfaced. All those photos wouldn't have surfaced. This wasn't for Ken. Um, and people forget Peter Chris had disappeared for a couple of years and was living in Nashville, and he dug him up in the you know early '90s. But uh, First of all, you know, history, the, the history book, Ken was doing interviews. He originally wanted history more like this is an interview book. And it just bought his interviews and they turned it into something different. But, um, you know, I don't certainly don't take any credit for what Ken did. I just was lucky to tag along because uh, me and Ken are good friends and he just didn't want to travel around by himself. But uh, we would go, we, Interview Billy Miller, for instance. He was their tour manager back in uh, right before George Stewart was, uh, you know, mid mid seventies. Uh, he would tell us uh, what is his good stories. Um, he had some interesting things to say. He had some artwork from Paul that he showed us. That you know, now you see things like that. Now that the internet and everything back then you just wouldn't see stuff like that he just had sketches paul had done he had videos on two inch tape and stuff like that um well, the interesting the main thing about him was uh he said back in you know he had toured with them a while and it got to be way too much and although he's getting paid well he said you know this is it i can't take it anymore it's too much stress too much uh certain band members were difficult to work with and did he did he mention what the certain band members were you know who it was but um (laughs) (laughs) uh, i i think it was i I think the story was and i I might be wrong but the story was uh, one of the band members and you know who it is (laughs) uh, that it was his job to get him you know he had the tour he had to manage the tour then he had to get certain members out of bed in the morning to get on on the on stage 
And he said, one time he went to wake somebody up on the bus and he had a gun under his bed and he like pulled it out and pointed at his face and said, you know, leave me, get the fuck away from me. And after that, he said, you know, I'm out of it. So I'm not getting paid enough for this shit. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, I can't, I can't deal with this. It's not, I'm not getting paid enough. So at the end of his contract, I guess, he, he told Bill, he says, you know, never doing it again. And he said, uh, so Bill had this meeting with everybody. And he says, well, I'll go to the one meeting. And, but I'm not going to be a tour manager anymore. And he said, you know, it's a big brown table. like It's like the elder table, as they call it. And he, it wasn't that then, but he said, uh, you know, he said Bill was, he described how Bill was really dramatic in a business way, which is kind of interesting. You know, he'd come in, there's a table with people around, and Bill said, you know, we really need you for this next tour, and blah, blah, blah. He says, no, Bill, Bill and Mirror was like, no, I'm not doing it. And he said, Bill Coin wrote a number on a piece of paper, and he just passed it down, you know, they just passed it down the table. And he looked at it, and he said, okay, when do I start? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what that number was, but it was like, it, it went from, I would never do this again. It's just not worth it. Uh, he was all for it. So he was a lot of fun. He was a lot of fun. The, uh, and, and, you know, the Wicked Lester guys, uh, Ken dug up, you know, Ron Johnson, and we went to his house. He was a cool guy. He lived in a row house somewhere in upstate New York, and he was like a real rock and roll guy. He had this those kickboxing bags right hanging in the middle of his living room. And he was like, you know, by the end, he would, he would like, he was, he was he, I'm, I'm assuming he was single. No, he had a family. Really? He had, he had like, he was showing all of his judo moves and stuff. And by the end of the, the interview, he like knew us well enough that he'd be like, well, come at me like you have a knife. And we're like, oh, man. What about a pointed stick? <laughs> let me do Let me come at him like we have a knife. And he just, you know, then we're on our back on the floor, you know, in two seconds. But the funny thing was, he had these two kids. They were, like, probably, like, 12 and 14. And they were, like, real, real conservative kids. And he was just this crazy rock and roll guy. He was still, like, a rock and roller. Not, like, a lot right. of People grow up and they get mature. He he was still a total rock and roll guy, and his kids were like rolling their eyes, like, "Ah, oh, my rock, my dad's embarrassing me," you know. That was, right? Yeah, because it's a like, different generation. <laughs> that, I thought that was hilarious. And I remember soon after that, I think it was, God, when was this? The Revenge Tour was ninety two, or was that ninety two? Ninety, but by the that was the club tour, but. With the the stadium tour was that still in '92? I think it started the end of '92. Okay, so I guess this he then Ken started this book in '92 because we went to interview Gene in uh, in Allentown, which I didn't live there then, but I live there now. And he was doing the, um, the several of their tours. They had started in Allentown. They would rent out the Stabler Arena for a whole week, <clears throat> do rehearsals. And so Ken came up, we interviewed Gene in a restaurant. Gene actually paid for our lunch, which was nice. And the funny thing is, I remember Gene was like, um, and he was ordering his food. He was like, just telling him, well, you know, I want this, order this, but I want you to fry it or ham, you know, not cooking oil and had all these real healthy, he was being like super health conscious and stuff. And then of course, at the end, it's like, they bring the dessert. 
spray, and he's like, oh, do you got cookies? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, big plate of cookies, and it was like, you know, kind of threw all the health benefits out, out the window, but uh, it, that was funny. But then after that, after the interview, he said, uh, do you want to come see the rehearsal? And we were like, hell yeah. We had heard rumors that there was like this going to be the Statue of Liberty that had a looked like the Terminator and gave everybody the finger, but we didn't believe it because like, why the hell would you do something like that? So <laughs> we go there, and sure enough, there's the Terminator like flipping everybody off. And and I remember they were they were rehearsing. The funny part is they were rehearsing the finger. You know, a finger would come up at, at the end, and they were trying to get it right, and Paul was like yelling at the guy, the the lighting guy at the other end, doing the spotlights at the other end. He's like, "Look, now we're going to be playing, and then we're going to look up, and the whole crowd's going to be going, what is what is Paul looking at?" And and that's when he put the spotlight on the finger, okay? And they see the finger, and for whatever reason, the the spotlight guy just couldn't get it right. They did it like ten times. Paul just got, you know, Paul's pretty laid back. He, he got just angrier and angrier at this guy. And he was just yelling at him. I don't, it was, you know, I noticed that doesn't sound like a bit. It was cool to see that in person. That, plus, that's Gene, very unlike Paul. Plus, Gene, you know, I haven't seen them do this recently, but you've seen them throw picks out that'll go like 100 feet. I yeah, to the more. back of the arena floor. I haven't seen that recently, but we were like sitting on these... There were no chairs at the when they were doing the rehearsal, and we were sitting on these mats like at the side. We were about halfway back. We were pretty damn far away, and Gene flicked a pick, and it like soared and curved, and it went and hit Ken right in the middle of his glasses and bumped straight off. <laughs> and you know, Ken's trying to be you know, Ken's a fanboy like me, but he was trying to be all businesslike and professional, and he was just like just so humiliated. It was so funny. Of course, I ran and picked up the pick because you know he was. <laughs> he was <laughs> pick it up but i was like of yeah. course oh man and uh you guys aren't giving me much input are you oh your, your stories no what do you we're we're listening to your stories i mean what do you, you so, so how, how how about peter chris you track tracked him down were yeah, you there with that interview we didn't, uh, we didn't i didn't i wasn't on the interview with peter i was one the one with lydia though lydia was a lot of fun um and again, this is what she, Lydia's really accessible now, but back then she really was not. She'd been to a couple of Richie's expos. She hadn't really traveled the world as the celebrity that she is now. I mean, everybody loves her. She's so nice and so cool to hang out with. Yes, back then, we went to her, 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 uh, she had a, a brownstone in New York, in Manhattan. We went to her house and she, that's when she showed us, you know, all those crazy pictures that were in her book and in history. She, or especially her book, like, and there are some crazier ones that <laughs> she couldn't publish. But we were just like, you know, now we've seen them, so it's not shocking. But back then, it was like, oh my god, like, like they're wearing what <laughs> Nazi costumes? We're like, we thought we had we were dreaming, you know. And uh, and she had like this bag of tapes, like Peter's, all these tapes that Peter had written. She played a few of them for us that were. You know, just a lot of outtakes and stuff. And she had an alternate, she placed an alternate version of the Rock and Roll Over album on tape. 
and it was it wasn't a demo it was like a finished album but the songs were different they were like it's like they had finished it and then they redid it again or something Dif- different really? in, different in what sense the track listing the mix uh the, the song no it wasn't a mix it was a completely different take some lyrics were slightly different just the way they were arranged the arrangements were different um it was really odd it sounded really good i don't know why they wouldn't would have um uh i, I don't know i remember that it, it, it just sounded amazing i just letting listening to it it was just really just amazing i mean it's again you know sometimes you hear rough versions or mixes or early mixes that sound different but this these weren't these were like totally different takes and they completed song it was a completed album the whole thing well peter maybe you can shed some light on this i i've heard that she shot some eight mil footage on the plane um going to japan in 77 do you know anything about that i I don't but uh, something funny she told us that she said back in the 70s and early 80s i guess she said like neighborhood kids would come over and hang out and they'd you know, they knew who she was and she wanted to, they wanted to watch the kiss videos, you know, he had like all, she had the whole video library apparently. And she said that some of them went missing and she thinks that they dropped them out. They dropped them out the bathroom window and went and picked them up later. <laughs> but I, of course, I a, of course a kiss fan would do that. Yeah. But she has, she said she had some good stuff, you know, and, um, and, and then, oh, then she was like, uh, and me and Ken took her out to eat she had gotten stood up on a date or something horrible like that she was like she's like yeah we got to finish the interview because i'm going on a date and then the guy stood her up and we felt bad and we're like oh we'll take you out and then she was and then afterwards you know it was late and she's like and you know we're still kind of young it's like a hotel's kind of expensive for us you know i was in my 20s yeah, like, yeah oh, this, this is just, remember everybody this is the guy who Slept in, slept in a porn theater, in a porn theater <laughs> to go see Kiss. So in a bush, and a bush. Yeah, so this was, yeah, this was an upgrade for me. I got to sleep on the couch in the basement, and Ken slept upstairs on the floor. But she had like a little, even though it was a New York place, she had a basement. And, and I remember, I was going to bed, and she's giving me some uh, blankets and stuff. And then she had this little storage area, and she was like, "Oh, look at this!" And she pulled out. You know those those T-shirts that were like the first ones they made out of just glue and glitter with the Kiss logo. She's like, oh, look at this. This one's mine. And I was just like, <laughs> wow. Like, oh. It's like you know, this is like one of the, if not one, the first piece of Kiss memorabilia or merchandise ever. First Kiss T-shirt ever. Well, if you remember, Paul, within the last year, I think it was posted on. I don't know if it was on Facebook or something. He found his in a box or whatever. That wow. same. You know that same glitter ones that they made with the glue. I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty uh, pretty incredible stuff. You know, you're absolutely right. I've I've said many times on this show, my favorite Kiss book of all time is Lydia's. Um, yeah, I, I the, just the pictures of them, you know, uh, at the pool party, and you, you it was just the youthful exuberance that. Uh, uh-huh. Well, and this would be a good time to mention that we have a copy to give away as a gift. That's right. We to, yeah, we need to run a contest. It's just been sitting in my cubby at home waiting for us. So now's a good time, maybe. Get your act together here, Tommy. 
what do you want me to do about it? You're the one who puts all that stuff together. I picked the book up. I brought it home. She was kind enough to give it to us and sign well, it. Well, we, so we, 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 know, we know how long it took you to get Alice Cooper on the show. <laughs> yeah, but did I not deliver? Thank you very yeah, much. That was awesome. Yeah, Thank you. Four, and Thank a half, you. Well, four, so, four and a half years later, you finally well, delivered. Oh, boy. No, it was less than four and a half years, and I didn't take any money. Um, so, Peter, one of the things I was curious about, and maybe you don't remember this, if she ever mentioned this, but someone had mentioned to me at one point in the early 80s when she was still living in the estate that she would have garage sales and sell off a bunch of Kiss stuff. Was that true? Yes. I, I had this uh, a friend of mine in Vegas, of all places, and this is in the mid-80s. Um, he had this... Um, is a roll of mylar. It was about, you know, it was about 10 inches tall and about four inches wide and it had her handwriting on the back and it said, said mylar from Kiss Alive stage. And it was, um, it, had mar it was marked $4 and that was crossed out and underneath it said $2. <laughs> and it was in Lydia's, it was in Lydia's handwriting. And I, I, I actually owned this for a while. I bought it in a collection. And again, this is the 80s. You see, you know, now it's like, you know, we've had the auctions and stuff. Oh, see, yes. You're like, you're like, oh, my God. It's like, like, it's a holy relic. And I was like, how could this be? But, yeah, I heard she was selling. Uh, that's the one thing I know. Um, I know she was selling a lot of Peter's personal. I remember being at a the second Kiss Expo at uh, Richard Benjamin, as they called then Richie Randall's in New York. She was there. She had a lot of Peter's like, like his Christmas ornaments when he was a kid. He had, she had, um, she had her Beth Award, forty-five, made out to her for four hundred dollars. And right when she put the price up, you know, I was like, I don't know, twenty-three then. I was like, uh, oh, four hundred dollars might have probably four million. Some guy next to me, he just pulled out his wallet and gave her $100 bills, and it was gone like that. I was like, man, I wanted that so bad. Yeah, yeah. I remember that's, her. Oh, that's the same convention. Some guy had like a, a crate, like a box of, I don't know, three full sets of the, the Mego dolls, you know, in, in the box. Like, he just pulls it open, like, and he was like, sell them out of the box. Those days were incredible. I mean, yeah, I didn't even think to ask to if he was selling the box, you know. Like, stupid me. I was like, yeah, who cares about the box? The dolls were, like, mint, you know. Right, but you think about it at the time. Now it's it's hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, but it's just, it's so funny to think that, you know, you're living in that neighborhood in Connecticut and, it, oh, hey, garage sale. And there's, like, all this Kiss stuff there. You know? That's but just, you got to remember how, how innocent it was back then. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. I mean, when yeah. I first met Pete and, well, even you guys. I mean, before the reunion tour, the Kiss Expos were just total nut jobs. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It wasn't. There wasn't any, you know, everything was old and cool. They didn't have any Spencer's crap. They didn't. No, 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 nobody knew what stuff was worth. So, you know. Or what it would become worth. Or what it would become worth. Because, you know, today, jaws drop when you hear about a roll of silver mylar from the Kiss Alive stage marked down to $2 from $4. 
in Lydia Chris's handwriting, which is basically autographed now as well, you know, today you'd be like, oh my God, are you two bucks? But back then, she, you know, she and many other people who were selling stuff had no idea what the market was, if there was even a market for this stuff. Because that was just like garbage, you know? That was something that she probably went through a duffel bag and was like, oh, yeah. Christ, just, Peter yeah. threw this stuff in a duffel bag and it's been here for 25 years. Uh, let me throw it in the garage sale next week. Yeah. Well, I totally get it. I'm just saying just from being a Kiss fan even back then, just like going, oh, you know, regardless of what the price was, just that it was actually like, oh, cool. You know, I could buy this, or, you know, whatever. I well, bought a good chunk of my press kits from her which were all peters matter of fact i'm looking at some things on my walls that i right now that i bought from her um Tommy. yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> but you're right pete because i remember Sleep one of the week. conventions early on um and i remember i think it was one of the first ones i brought liz with me and she just had all these press kits just sitting on her, her table, and they were, I don't know, 20 bucks, if that, you know? Yeah. And they were still in the official Casablanca envelopes with the, you know, with their, uh, you know, the, the address there. And and I, I shit, I, I think I bought three or four of them, um, and, you know? <laughs> thank you. But, and, you know, another thing, though, too, is just how approachable and nice you know, um, she always, I mean, to this day, she is. Oh, yeah. But, she's, she's but, the best, but best. back then, and this would have been the late 80s, early 90s, very approachable and very eager to talk about the crazy days, you know. And, and she always has new stories, no matter, you know, just up until this year. She, You get talking to her, she'll tell you the craziest shit that she's never said, told anyone before. It's like. It's, I, she doesn't say the same stories over and over again. It's like amazing. You know, you know, as a Kiss fan, what was really cool back in those early conventions was people like Lydia weren't necessarily the special guest at the convention. It was Ace or it was Peter or, yeah. or, 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 or somebody at that level. People like Lydia were just dealers. And, yeah. and you would be walking in an expo and you'd be like, Holy crap! That's that's Lydia Chris just sitting over there behind a table, just like any other dealer would do. And you know, obviously now they've they've elevated to the status where they're actually guests because they've actually got a lot to contribute and say. But back then, they were just somebody who was trying to sell off a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, for you know, for the money we paid, and you know. Driving from here from Detroit to New Jersey with you know Joe Marshall and my buddies and stuff, and we drive there and you know Al Munson it would have all his stuff displayed, you know uh, you're talking the original Kiss costumes from '74 and '75, and I still have pictures from one of the first Rothmans that I went to. Matter of fact, it was pre-Rothman. This was at where was that at? Pete? Metal and Hilton. Yeah, Metal and Hilton. The first one was somewhere else, but the majority of the older ones were at the Hilton. Yeah, because I remember just just my jaw dropping. And and guys, I know I say this all the time to the younger fans. Keep in mind, there's no internet. 
when you walked in there, you didn't, you just thought you were going to a Kiss Expo to, you know, you're hoping to find some vinyl or, or whatever. And holy shit. Next thing you know, a, another fan, a fellow fan has got their entire Kiss collection. And again, you know, the hotter than hell costumes. And, and even a couple of years later when Billy Baker brought all his stuff. and I remember that too. You, you know what yeah. I mean? And they had Ace's cabinets there and the smoker was there. And every time you went, there was just something new. And, and obviously, you know, Richie would have the, the new video or something that, that popped up. And it, was, it really was like the most exciting time to be a yeah. kiss collector. Plus, too, you know what? And, and, and I, I think, Pete, you kind of agree. It was like our own little club, too, because it, it wasn't yeah. out of hand. And, you know, that's one of the good things. And, and Pete, I, I think you'll agree with me. How many of those faces on the ship did we see that first time we saw them, you know, was in New Jersey? Yeah. And, and we've been running into each other and friends ever since. I mean, that's that's the cool I don't know, the communal sort of kiss thing that, you know, still, especially with, look, with everybody, but especially the, the old time guys, the guys we used to see back in the early 90s, you know, and you couldn't wait to see them and catch up and pretty special stuff, man. Those yeah, it was like, uh, and remember back in the 80s, this was not popular at all. They were popular with us, with a certain, their diehard fans, but that was, it. They they had no the band had never had any respect until the reunion tour. Don't forget the eighties. They yeah. didn't respect at all. But he respected them. And, and it, other rock and roll fans. It's totally different now. But don't forget. Don't forget. And you know we always were there. And a lot of people are trendy like that. If somebody's not popular, they won't you know get into them. But we were always there for them. And and it was different. It was special being that little clique, that little club. And, it, and it, when one of the things for me, at least, living in Minneapolis, where you know we we had some really cool record stores, but we didn't get to see the kind of things that they had there. And you even just going to New York City and going to Second Coming and going to It's Only Rock and Roll, and you can see the Japanese tour books from mm. '77 for sale, and then going to the convention. I, I'll never forget. It wasn't something that. I bought into, but I always thought it was so interesting. I, there was a dealer, I'm sure, Peter, you know who he is. He used to take posters and he would cut them out. That's Al. Like, cut out the backgrounds and then laminate it. And you, Yeah, Al Munson. Al Munson. Yeah. Those, that's what he's the one who did that. Yeah, and so it just cool, really cool different things, too. So it's like... I don't know. I just... There was so much to look at. It was almost overwhelming. Imagine going into... A store that is like exploded kiss and it had everything like they were saying and you could just original photos you'd never seen before because well, again that, the internet didn't exist at the time that, you know? that that was the thing especially like going into it's only rock and roll there would be stuff in there that you just literally had no idea even existed yep you know you'd look in that display cabinet and you'd go what is that? And the guy, the clerk would be, oh, that's blah, 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 blah. And you're like, just being in the presence of that was just like, oh, my God. I had, not Nowadays, because of Internet and everybody's connected, you know basically like everything that's ever existed at this point in time. Back then, 
There, there was also a store somewhat like it's only rock and roll out in Hollywood that I remember going to, and I can't remember yep. the name of it. But they had it was off. The, uh, it was off the strip by like a block. Dumbass cat. Um, they had those five pieces of costumes, five costume pieces. Yeah, they had costume pieces, tons of posters. They were big into posters, and it'd be like you'd be flipping through the posters, and I'm like, what is this elder poster? It's from you know, Brazil or something like that, that you've never even saw or knew existed. Yep. It's a colony in New York City was that way too. More so with movie posters, but they had music stuff as well. So it wasn't just the convention. It was also just literally going to to New York. And there was so much stuff at the time. Love Saves the Day was another great place to stop in the village that had so many cool toys and they always carried kiss stuff and that's the part i think that's that's unfortunate you can't ever you can't ever explain or share with people who are listening that are younger what this was really truly like yeah you know uh it was it was something else and to go there you know all of those outtake photos from that photo session with the red background where paul had the bandit makeup and then he did the star yeah you could buy these photos. Eight by tens here, like mind well, That was one of the things too. I remember buying some of uh, Lydia's the little eight by tens. Remember she used to sell those. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new thing now, Peter. Yeah. Anytime I talk about some Tommy's I, I caught on to it pretty quick. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. He's very but, smart. He knows. But, but do you remember? I mean, now they're common. That's another thing, too, if you're going, oh, Christ, we've seen those a million times. Yeah, but back in 1989, you hadn't. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Well, the the photos of Peter with his, you know, with the, with the, the rifle and dressed yeah. up as a cowboy. Oh. And, well, I, you see those things the first time, and they're right from her negatives. You're like, holy yeah. crap. There was... You never knew they exist. Oh, and about that uh, that store in uh, Hollywood. Remember, they had for the longest time in the '80s, they had that set of they had five small pieces of costume pieces. Yep. They wanted five thousand dollars for the lot. They had Eric's fox belt. They had Gene's choker from Alive Two. They had Peter's choker from Destroyer. And they had uh, Ace's wristbands. And then they had one of Peter's cho- another Peter choker. That one of the Peter chokers. They said it was Paul, but it really was Peter's. Um, but anyway, so there was two Peter's and no Paul, but one of each of the five members. And they wanted $5,000 for it. And this is like in the 80s, and we are we don't have $5,000. So people would tell me, they said, yeah, they'd go in the store, and they'd say, can I just buy one piece for like 2000 because that's all I got? And and he's like, no, sell it as a set. You know, well, I don't understand that mentality. But uh, a couple of years later, like in the... Around 1990, um, Bill Baker, my friend, were, he calls me up and he said, for these auctions in New York, they're auctioning five items. And I was like, I lived in Virginia at the time. And he said, you know, I don't want them or I can't afford them. But I drove up there to the auction. And I got them for like, I was bidding against no one. I think there was like a hard rock type of deal, uh, person that was bid, did a couple bids. And I got off the grant and, you know, down from 5,000. So, and it was just, and, you know, again, back then, it's like there weren't any costume people circulating. I remember I got those and it was just like, I can't believe I own this, you know. And I stopped buying uh, 
to New York and Baltimore to show my friends there. And uh, it was just so magical having those pieces, you know. My my, my my favorite my favorite story was, do you you remember back and it was probably the late '80s when that the the stairwell photo of Kiss out of makeup first appeared. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden that that started making the rounds amongst Kiss fans and people initially were like. No, that's not Kiss. Yeah, that's not Kiss. It doesn't look like Kiss. And you're like, yeah, it sort of does. Yeah, it does. I was at, there was a heavy metal record store in Vegas. Um, I can't remember the name of it at this point in time. It was over by the university. And they had that up on the shelf for sale. And, you know, it wasn't the original. I mean, it was you know a black and white copy of a photo. It was probably a black and white copy of three copies ago and and i was just like oh my god there's that photo and it's on display it really does exist and i think they were selling it for you now this is the late 80s i think they were selling it for like 10 or 15 bucks and i was just like i've got to have that oh my god that is like the earliest thing of kiss that i could have ever imagined at that point in time this was before makeup even existed yeah unbelievable oh i'm sorry i the most important thing about that that um that stash i got was it also came with letters of authenticity from the kiss office on kiss letterhead and everything and but it also came with a little press release and this press release was apparently they had done a charity auction somebody had approached them the early 80s i think 81 and said you know and they donated some stuff to this auction and the pieces went for like between two and three hundred dollars each and but this press release was like was like wow can you imagine that a gene choker sold for three hundred dollars they were like hyping it up like that was like you know this is sort of the press they were like hyping the bands up like wow see see how much this stuff is worth and, uh, you know, and back then the band, they, you know, there's a, a warehouse that they kind of let go. They didn't think it was worth anything. And Bill O'Coin was telling us, uh, he said they just didn't think it was worth anything. And in a way, it was, it was, it was only worth something to a small percentage of people like us. Well, yeah, you got, you got to remember, especially back in that, you know, the 80s, even in the 90s, all, all major bands like Kiss have, some form of a warehouse somewhere where just crap that accumulates on the road at management at home whatever gets thrown in there and that stuff for lack of a better term is garbage to the bands it's just trash to them and yeah. it and it and it wasn't until the advent of the internet and especially eBay that bands started to realize their trash is actually gold to other people. I mean, I, I remember, um, uh, who was it? Was it Blink-182 that did this? They had a new album coming out years ago, and if you pre-ordered it, you were guaranteed something from their warehouse. Could be anything. It could be an old concert T-shirt. It could be a set list. It could be a broken guitar. It could be anything that they gather from the road, but you got something. And people were pre-ordering big time this album
because you you know it's sort of like a grab bag. You don't know what you're going to get. It's sort of like the Gene Simmons vault. You open oh, up, yeah. you know that that that's a perfect example. Gene's vault is literally just crap from the Kiss warehouse that was going to end up in a dumpster that gets put into a vault and now it's valuable. I, I tell you what, but that was so cool not knowing what you're getting you know yeah. I, I was very fortunate to and uh you know just to stick with the gene simmons vault for a second you know i think the detroit stop was the second one so it was also fresh then and and just the excitement and, and everybody there you know we we're talking to other fans we were all like kids at christmas because we're like well you didn't get your vault till you went and met gene and everything you know what i mean so Everyone was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see what, you know, what I got in mine. And and everyone, you know, again, that added a, a certain, I don't know, another element to a great, great uh, evening. And and unfortunately, you know, these things now, I, Gene's still doing the vaults, isn't he? Yeah. Or, yeah. I, but I think they've changed, and that's what I'm getting getting to. Now I think he just autographs your book, and you get the book, which... You know, I, I was very lucky to do, you know, like I said, an early one because it was much more of a free-for-all. But it was, it was a lot more fun. It was a lot less structured. And uh, Gene was a lot more, I guess, you know, open to sign other things. And from what I understand now, it's pretty – but I guess, I, I guess it has to be, though, you know what I mean, in order for people to get through quickly. And we say that all the time, but, man – everything it seems early on is, is a little bit more fun um you know what i mean a lot less structured hey pete i wanted i wanted to bring up i brought it up on the show before but uh you remember when bill of coin would walk through the hotel the night before the expo with literally a box of awards things they got from uh, from um, arenas that say whatever fast to sell out or these little just tiny little trophies and i one of the things i'm kicking myself he i physically held it in my hand was uh one of the keys to cadillac one of the wooden that yeah. the <laughs> and i remember i remember i think he wanted and I could be wrong, and I have to check with Joe. I think he wanted three thousand for it, and I had the money on me, but that was like all the money I had on me. And you know, and I and I'm like, I a at the time I thought it was I thought that was grossly expensive, and b again I would have taken myself I would have had no money for the rest of the trip. But I look back at that because there's those great pictures of. Paul Stanley, you know, holding the, the key to Cadillac. And guys, uh, for those of you who've, who've seen the pictures, that thing is everything you think. It is just this, looks like it was made in shop class, you know what I mean? But boy, oh boy, you know, it's one of those things just as a Kiss fan going, hey, you know, I'm, I, I held that thing. That was, that was uh, Tommy. Thank you. That's what she said. <laughs> But, you know, those are those cool times. And, and Bill was just so cool when he came to your room. And he's such a conversationalist and such a nice – you guys have all met. He was genuinely one of the nicest people you could sit and talk to. And he still had that wide-eyed wonder about him. By the way, if you've ever seen the 60 Minutes 
special where um, they talked to Bill. This is from 1980 from Australia. Yeah. And Kiss the Sun. Every time I see that clip, because he, he had that charm about him. I love the fact in that in that special where they're talking about the games and how much Kiss makes, and he goes, oh, but it's such fun. He said it just like that, and that was the tone that I remember sitting in the hotel room going through these boxes. He would just, you know, you'd hold something up, and he goes, oh, that one's from Baltimore. Oh, I remember that night. This is really cool. And all it was was just this little plaque that said, fastest sellout from, it, it, it looks like, you know, whoever made it for the arena probably spent 15 bucks on it. You know, just but they were presenting it to Kiss like, you know, whatever. Thank you for coming here and, you know, selling out our arena. But just Bill's wide eyed wonder explaining each one of those little knickknack trophies. It just is a Kiss fan that stuck with me to this day. And uh, it's just good stuff, man. What a good guy. There's a guy, you know, you wish he was still around because that. Yeah. What a good, good guy he was. Oh, I got a story about you. When we were interviewing him for a history, me and Ken, and this never showed up anywhere, but he told us, you remember that TV show, that game show, Supermarket Sweep in the 70s? Yeah, yeah I remember that. That was Bill O'Coin's idea. That was his show. I did not know that. Did you know that? Isn't that crazy? No. He told us about how he worked out the idea and he did the deal and the deal went through and he said, you know, this is before Kiss and everything. And he was talking about how he was so excited that he had created this. And this is such a great idea. And he said he was so hyped. He just had, it was like in the middle of the night, he had just walk around Manhattan because he couldn't sleep. It was so exciting. And uh, did, did I ever tell you this? Did I, did I ever tell you the story about when I went to to the KISS office and when I was 16? Uh, if I told you this, just stop me. But Yeah, go, go again because I don't. I don't remember. It sounds vaguely familiar, but. Okay. I, I was 16. My friend Tim from Nashville, he was 19. Big fan like me. We were pen pals. And, you know, again, this is before, this was before Kiss Conventions. This was in 81. Yeah, I did tell you this because I'd seen Van, I saw Van Halen in New York in 81. And, uh, but anyway, I went up there and, of course, we wanted to go. Bill coin at the Kiss office. I mean, why wouldn't they? Well, yeah, that we makes drive, sense to drive me. Up, drive up to New York City. Um, we, we go. We were there twice. He, his, Massachusetts. So we hit it on the way up and the way back. We go up, and my friend Tim. We're just like kids, and he's like the reception. He's like, "Yeah, is, is Mister Coin here?" It's like, "Do you have an appointment?" He's like, "No, but we just want to talk to him." And it, she was just kind of like, well, he's not here, and da da da. And then he, Bill came out, and my friend Tim like glared at, at the receptionist. But I'm like, you know, what's she gonna do? <laughs> I knew, I knew we were just being idiots even back then. But Bill was like real nice, and he was. We were just like, oh, we came all this way, came to see you, and blah blah blah. And we want to talk to you. Bill said, you know, I'm busy, but. Uh, that, uh, maybe in a couple days, maybe tomorrow. We're like, no, we'll be back in a few days on our way back. He's like, okay, we'll stop by then. We're like, wow. And he's like, uh, it was a time and everything. So we came back on the way back. So we actually had an appointment with him this time. And, and uh, so we, on the way back, we 
Well, on that day, we got into the elevator, and New England was with us in the elevator, the whole band, all four of them. And I was like, wow, New England, you know? This was 81, and we were like, they had bags of guitar picks. They are like, oh, here you go. They popped open some bags, and they, they were just like, wow, it was like so cool. And, uh, and we're like, oh, how was it like working with Paul? You know, we were teenagers. And so on the way back, stopped by and Bill invited us into the kids, his office, personal office. And we go in there, and it's like the Destroyer, original Destroyer painting is on the wall. And the marionettes are in the corner. Then he's got this slot machine, Kiss slot machine, that has his, his the jack, you know, it had the, the list of all the jackpots, and the jackpot is in line of three bill of coin faces. <laughs> we were like, what the hell is that? And he's kind of like, uh, you know. We were like, he didn't really explain it. We were just like, why does, how does that exist? Like, what is that? But he, he like, uh, he let us play with the marionettes. He showed us what he called the elder table. And, and yeah, the, el the, you know, the, the meeting room, the elder table, they called it. It had all the plaques. It had like, it had like a gold eight track. I remember that really stuck out. All the gold records. There was a gold eight track of, I don't know, it was a live or double platinum is one of those. I'd never seen a, a gold eight track award. And I, I was just like, wow. And then in the hallway, we're walking down the hallway and there's like the original um, destroyer with the alive outfits. And I'm like, what the hell is that? I remember him saying like, like, oh, well, you know, we did it with those costumes and they got new costumes, we had to paint it again. I was like, what? And I remember it being completed you know the one that was sold at the auction was kind of like more of a sketch painting right. it wasn't like finished i'm probably wrong but in my mind i remember it being like a complete completed um painting it had more of an, uh, a tan amber um uh theme to it rather than the blue theme that the, the actual album cover had but I, I was probably wrong about that and and he was so nice oh yeah we were sitting there and then like Sean Delaney came and said, oh, he, this is Sean Delaney. And he's like my secondhand man. He's wearing the cowboy outfit and everything. And then this other door on the other side of his office, it was just funny. It was like a poopy block or something. And this guy comes through and he's got this spiked hair and this real funny mouth. And he's like, oh, this is Billy Idol. He's going to be the next big thing. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, not with that hair he's not. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen any, I've never seen hair like that. <laughs> and it was just like and then and then on the way out uh, we're waiting for the elevator and Eric Carr steps out of the elevator and he's wearing his, his Boy Scout shirt you know that he did in a couple of photo sessions and he's there we were just like oh my god it was just like it was like such a, a such a, a great time it was like uh, he was and, yeah Bill was like so nice to us just you know a couple of idiot kids you know yeah, and, and I mean that's all it was. He just was. He was just. Yeah, uh, but look. At, but you know what's cool? You never know where someone's going to end up, and look at how much you've done, not only for the band, but you know, all, from the merchandise and everything. I mean, there's that that tie-in. So, like it's you never know where someone's going to end up, and that just I guess goes back to the kindness of Bill Coin. I never met him, but you know, Brent is friend was friends with him, and he would tell me you know great stories about what a wonderful man he was so there you go there's another example of what made him great 
to take time out for a couple of idiot teenager Kiss fans. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, P- yeah. P- P- Peter, back back to the history book. When you guys, when when Ken was doing the interviews and you were you were taking along with him, um, did everybody you interview knew this was for an official Kiss book at the time, or did they just think it was a, I, some project that Ken Sharp oh, was putting I, together? I believe I believe so. Yeah, it was for a book, and Ken wanted some more of an interview book because Ken's all about the information, right? And the the people and the stories which is should be it's great and that's yeah you know getting pictures is pictures are amazing but you know you just dig them up and there they are but you know interviews and getting stories and putting them together that's something else that takes a lot of work and uh ken did a lot of work for that he really loved what he did too did did any of the the guests you were interviewing have any sort of an attitude or give you guys a hard time about, uh, you know, if Gene and Paul are doing this, I want them to pay us big money. Uh, you know, I want some, well, uh, everybody was just happy to share stories. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there was anything monetary involved. I mean, I, again, I, it was Ken's project, not mine, but it was, you know, they were just Ken, you know, Ken works for the back then. He, yeah, and he was like, like I said, thirty-one. He was an old man back then. He worked. He worked for the press, and he was, he knew what he was doing, and uh, people respected him as a journalist. I remember. I remember one of the very first big gold mine gold mine stories that he did. And a lot of that stuff hit me like a ton of bricks because that was the first time I'd ever heard even about like life in the woods and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I, was, I was there when he was, they were telling us about that. We were like, no, how could that even be true? You know, it's like, it was, it was, it was great. Yeah, because oh, I, other per- I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you up. The, before I forget, the other person we interviewed was Paul Stanley and it was up in his, room i guess it was i think it was it was at a show they had already started the revenge tour i guess it was probably philadelphia that he interviewed him in and paul newton personally you know back then we didn't they didn't know us we didn't i don't think even russell was that good of friends with him back then but um he felt comfortable with Ken, and he was just like, yeah, we'll do it up in my room. It's like a suite, you know. And I remember we were in the living room part of the suite waiting for him, and it was, you know, again, I'm in my 20s. This is like, how did I ever think I'd get him Paul's, get invited to Paul's hotel room to do an interview? This is great. And I remember when we were waiting for him in the other room, there was like this uh, big reel of, uh, you know, an audio reel, and it had got, and to this day, I can't remember the, the name of the song. It was like a one-word song. It was like she, but it was like you or her or something like that, some kind of pronoun. And it's so stupid that I can't remember. But I remember we asked him about it, and he was like, I think we said, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't think it was a kid song, but it's something he was working on. And he was, he was kind of mysterious about it, but it you know, I, I don't know. To this day, I, I've never, uh, there hasn't been a song like that that has surfaced or anything. So since, since 
history evolved from, you know, being an interview book to what it is, you know, a bunch of photos with captions and stuff like that. Did you ever find out what happened to all of those great interviews? Did did he maybe use them in like nothing to oh, lose? Yeah, he did. Or? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, and yeah, he lives used them in a lot of different places. And I I, I think, uh, yeah, you know, from what I understood, again, it's just from what I understood. What he told me was, he he told me that when he found out what they were going to do, he was like. Look, I don't want to sell this to you guys um, and just have you use bits and pieces and throw it all away. I want these stories to be out. And he wouldn't sell it to them. And they were giving him a big number, too. Um, but again, you know, there were no kids fans weren't professionals. We were still like kids and college kids and even high school kids back in the early 90s. And he told me that they were getting pissed at him because they were like, when they finally closed the deal, that is, we've never had this much trouble with somebody um, closing the deal. Because, you know, even though Ken was a fanboy, he, he knew. He's a, he's a really good journalist, and he knew he didn't want the stories to be buried. So I think it was something like after a certain amount of years, it would revert back to him, and he could publish the stories in full or something, because that's what he wanted. And that's I'm glad he stood up for that. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, it, I was only a few years younger then, but if they had said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, okay, guys, whatever you want. You know? Yeah, of course. But he wasn't like that. Even though he was a really big fanboy, he did stand up, and so that was really cool of him. That was, yeah. probably, that was probably the first time a fanboy ever stood up to them at all. <laughs> yeah, that could be, and maybe the last. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's fun. Now, Pete, when, when you were doing those interviews or you know, following along, Ken, uh, and and if if so, you don't have to divulge. But uh, was there any off the record stuff? Oh hell yeah! What are you kidding? <laughs> I'm just curious. Just <laughs> curious. Oh yeah, there's crazy shit. There's shit I could never tell you. <laughs> I was just curious. I was just curious about that. Well, well, some things I can tell you that are off the wall, and I think these have been published too. But it's like uh, you know those pictures when they were all wearing dresses and stuff. The whole band. Yeah. yeah. That was like something they do every year for Paul's birthday. It was some inside joke. And he told us details about that. And that was like before we I'd actually seen the pictures. So he's talking about how they would dress up like women. It's like, yeah, well, you know, they kind of had been doing that for a while. But uh, that was like a, a crazy story. Well, getting getting back to uh, I, look, they're they're infamous as they are famous photos. The the Nazi stuff. Did you ever find? I mean, when you were talking to Lydia, or when those first surfaced, like where did did you ever find out where did they get that stuff? And and whose was it? Or well, okay, first of all, we know we know whose costumes they were, and second of all, you know, I'm not gonna say we know who the, whose costumes were, but um. I think it was either George Seward or Billy Miller told us. He said that he said he said that you know they were just being stupid. It was like a joke. Oh, for sure they were. Look, I, I, I think they're not they're not Nazis and they're correct. Correct. Look, I think that stuff was, as they say in England and stuff, just taking the piss. Uh, you know, as they say uh, in, in, in the UK, 
obviously. But, but they, said, they said they went to Gene's, you know, in the pictures, it's just Ace and Peter and Paul are went. Yes, correct. They Never they, Gene. It, they said, I think it was Billy Miller told us, it was George Suet. He said something like, to the extent they went to the Gene's room and knocked on the door just to be stupid and make a joke. And Gene was like, That ain't funny. So he's, Gene, Gene was like, I can't. Gene just didn't think it was funny. And he said they felt really bad and they had to apologize to him for obvious reasons. But they were, you know, they were pretty young then too. Um, but it, it, it that is pretty crazy, and it, I'm surprised that it it kind of didn't cause any. It didn't really become anything big, which it shouldn't have been. They were again, they were just being stupid. But it, it was pretty shocking the first time I saw those pictures. Well, well it's, it's, if, if, more, more if, well, not shocking, just just confusing. It's like why would they? The first time I saw those photos, was that in Music Life? There was a little picture or something. I remember the first time that I saw one of the photos, and I about fucking fell over. But wasn't it Lydia's book was the first time? Was it? No, I could have sworn. I think I've seen it before Lydia's book. Really? Like maybe it was just a picture of Ace dressed up. I'm thinking was the first one I remember seeing, and 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 I just remember the caption being something like, you know, Ace Fraley collects World War II memorabilia. Yes, yes, that's you know that that's how they that was the rub that that yeah that's how they explained it. Now you know, as as we love to say, timeline is everything. So back then that wasn't offensive. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It was, it was, it was a joke. I mean, you know that that's what that's what you did, sort of. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just that's what happened in that era. Um, yeah, I I could imagine if they first surfaced now, it probably would be handled differently. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty strange stuff. Yeah. But, you, you know, it, it's also a lot of it is just written off as, it's just freaking rock stars, man. They're crazy rock stars. Yeah, they've done crazier things. What they, is... told us, they told us this, yeah, and Billy Miller would tell us, he told us this story about how they, you know, there's that story about gluing everything to his ceiling or nailing mm -hmm. everything to his ceiling. You know, when we heard about that, you're like, that's not true. Billy Miller said, yeah, that, that's true. He said he couldn't get the, the bed frame up there. But he said, so the, so the bed frame, he said, like, Ace would always take his bed frame and, like, take the mattress out and have it like a little disco. And he, him and his friends would dance in it. So they had that going. They couldn't get that on the ceiling. But they, he said it was, he, he, he described it in detail. He said it was like a work of art. He said, you know, it had, like, it was like the, the end table was there, and then there was a ashtray, and then there was a cigarette glued inside the ashtray. And he said it was. He said it took a lot. So there's a lot of details to it. It wasn't just a half-assed um, glue everything to the ceiling stuff, you know. Well, the boredom and the frustration on the road. I mean, that's. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, and here's here's a really good story Billy told us. He said um, he was up in a hotel room, and he said it was like a real fancy hotel room where it had some residents that lived there, too. And so they're in the top VIP section. And he said it's at night, and he said he hears, like, this, like, vicious growling, this dog, like, like, like what the hell? And he looks out, and there's nothing. He, 
sound like there's this dog growling in the hallway. And then he's and he's like going to bed. This is like at night. He starts to fall back asleep. And he said like, then he hurts like this machine gun fire. And he's like, oh my god, like what what the hell? And he opens up the door, and he sees Ace like he hears this machine gun fire. And he says Ace comes stumbling out of his door in the hall. He's like, ah, they got me. And he falls down on the floor. Pretend he's dead. And apparently Ace, you know, Ace would always travel with his stereo. He would always bring his full 70s stereo to the hotel room and set it up. And he had the sound effects record. And he would play his. It was just like a, a sound effect record that had different sound effects on it. And one was machine guns. And he said that these... These two little old ladies, they were like sisters. They lived, they were like 90 or something. He said they lived in this, you know, they were really rich ladies. They lived at the end of the hallway. He said they were both like, when Ace was doing that, he said they were both peeking out the hallway in their bathrobes, watching Ace like flail on the floor, getting <laughs> chain gun to death. <laughs> you know, you, you, you hear a story like that and you wonder if after that was all done and the band was gone, if those two old ladies ever realized who it was and and what was going on. <laughs> I, I doubt it. <laughs> and another time, he said that Ace got arrested this one time for, you've probably heard this story, but I heard the real story was, I think they were like up in the Northwest somewhere. And they had a hotel that they were using as a hub. You know, they would stay at this hotel and they'd go to cities and come back to this one hotel. It was a big resort hotel. He said there was a big lake in front of it. And he said, like, stop Coast Guard or police boat, like, you know, he's looking out his window and a police boat's, like, coming across. And Ace apparently had gotten drunk and stole a boat or something. Oh, God. A boat or a jet ski or something. I don't know. The police chased him down. And it was his his job, Billy's job, to, like, uh, and again, I I can't remember if it was Billy or George. I I apologize. Um, Get the story. It was a long time ago. But he said he had to talk him out. I said, oh, this is Ace. He's just goofing around, and he's a rock star, and he's drunk, and all this stuff. And that's also the time he would say about how Ace would get really drunk and talk about his... He would get small. He would say, when Ace got really drunk, he would get on, literally get on his knees and walk around. And when he would get a, like, a call on the radio, it would be like says. Ace is small. Repeat, Ace is small, which meant Ace is like shit face drunk and walking around on his knees. And then he would... Like, <laughs> like, 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 like dwarf. But yeah, but he would have to walk Ace on his knees back to his hotel room. And oh, but, but when he was small, he would also have these two little alien kids that he would... Um, I think they were kids, but they were like short aliens like him. I think that's why he got small, so he could be the same size <laughs> as the two imaginary aliens he was with. And he was saying how walk and they were real to ace you know and he'd walk and he'd put ace in bed and he'd, and he'd have to put the little alien kids in bed too and they'd be real concerned you'd be like yeah, i've never gotta, heard this like take he's like yeah ace, we took care of him everything's everything's cool he's like okay <laughs> and i think that story's come out too but i i've never heard that i I'm, I'm, heard i gotta it. i gotta write this down because that's the the show title stories of small ace and his alien friends yeah, I think it like that came was out. Ace is small. Ace is small. I think, I think one of those those comic books back in the '90s. They had a million of them. I think one of them mentioned it, but just they didn't say it properly. And yeah, that was I just I totally forgotten about that until now. But that was uh, yeah, Ace was 
a handful apparently. Of of all the all the interviews, which ones were the best? From from a fan standpoint, as you a fan listening to it, which ones had you going, holy shit? Well, it wasn't Gene or Paul because you know they don't tell you what you want to know. Um, it was probably Billy Miller. Billy Miller, he's the one you know from in the mid seventies. Uh, he had the stories about them getting arrested and and all that stuff. Yeah, it was at the time Billy Miller was just like I couldn't believe the stuff that was coming out of his mouth. And he's the one who told a lot of stuff that I'm gonna have to die with, you know. <laughs> did did because afterwards, and and you know, it wasn't anything like they killed anybody or anything, but it was just stuff, you know, personal stuff. It was just like me and Ken. Ken was like, you know, we can't ever talk about this. We're like, yeah, we're never not with each other, not with anybody else. We're like, yeah, we like made a little pact. And, and again, it's and, not and, not, and now not here's stuff. Peter on three sides of the coin sharing the stories. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. Make it person it wasn't that bad it was just you know just stuff you don't talk about well so when you were going through all this what were some of the most interesting things you learned about the band that you didn't know and i'm going beyond some of the personal stuff that you can't share but just what were some of the eye-opening moments for you oh god um I mean, it could be as simple as that everyone was nice whatever you know well, like um yeah i guess ron johnson telling us that's his name, right? Ron Thompson. Yeah. Okay. He um, he told us when they were recording at the Wicked Lester album in Electric Lady Studios. Is that where it was recorded? Mm -hmm. Yep. And he was telling us, you know, just he was describing how Paul and Gene were back then before Kid. They were totally different people. And of course they were. I mean, and, but he would say how they um, went to... God, what is it? They went to um, Electric Lady, and Ron was a little older, and Paul and Gene were new to this. Ron had worked there before, and he was saying, you know, they'd taken a break, like, hey, let's go meet some girls. They're like, what? Well, how do you do that? He's like, well, we're at Electric Lady. Just... So he just takes them outside, and he just stood outside the door, and, and you know, I guess Ron was dressed up in rock and roll, and Paul and Gene were just... Gene would like wear. He said Gene would like wear overalls or something like that. He said there's always like some rock chick <laughs> rock by, and they'd start talking and flirting, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're working up here." And they took him up to the the studio and hung out with them. And uh, you know, and it's like he was like introducing. It was like he was introducing Gene to girls, really, or how to pick up girls, which was kind kind of kind of funny. So that that was, you know, that's like um, it just hearing him talk about them. As, you know, and they were that was what they were like 20 years old then or something. Paul must have been. Yeah. Wicked Lester was. I mean, they were before, really, before they had experience in the music industry. Yeah. But yeah, him talking about them, you know, just just their first time recording and stuff. I thought that was just really interesting, you know. Well, because I suppose it gives you a human angle about them that you didn't have when you're looking at them as yeah, being right. members of this band that you love. Yeah. You know, it, it it's to me, it's no different than having inter interactions with them today when you speak to them and they, they're truly all such personable people. 
you know, and that's what's so interesting to me, just on the human level, because in real estate, I deal with some wonderful agents and, and some of them not so much. And, and some of them are, have egos that it's like, I think to myself, how did you get like this when I'm meeting these different musicians and actors who are all wonderful? They've been super nice. And so it's kind of neat to see what you think or hope to be to turn out to actually be that and more so. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, there was a lot, like I said, they would say things that were off the record, but nobody said anything bad about them. They never, uh, they were never evil to people or nobody said, oh, those guys are just so horrible and evil and blah, blah, blah. Nobody ever said that. I mean, nobody's perfect, but um, you can find negative things about anybody. But right. You know, they, they always uh, treated people well. Yeah, and that's always been my experience, you know, and I don't, I just, that to me was the, was the nice piece of it. You know, one of the things going back while we're just talking about the history book is how KISS was really starting to use like the expos and stuff. Do you remember they had the sign up sheet if you wanted to? Um, yeah. And it was all done by regular mail, you know? They just, yeah. Had, that was, oh, oh, and we were at, um, me and, you know, Russell and Mike and Lisa from New York, we were sitting in some hotel lobby during some KISS concert, as we do, you know. Um, so we're just sitting on the couches in the lobby, and Gene, like, we've been there for a while. Then Gene, like, walks up behind us and he sits down. He doesn't say anything. He just sits down on the couch with us, and he, like, lays down, like, this rough version of history book. It was, you know, it wasn't all put together, but the pages were pretty much there. He just laid it down. He sat back, and he didn't say anything. We were just like, ah, we were just like, we touched it, and he was just like, ah, we were just looking, we were like, oh my god, look at this and that. And uh, no, that and that's the first time he just wanted to. That was we were probably the first fans to see it then, kind of in a rough form. And and you know, he didn't have to do that, but he was just, he just saw it there, and he was just like, I'm sure, they'd like to see this. That was the first time we'd seen the Times Square. They had solo album ads up there, which I'd never seen before. Um, well, what made me think about it is, uh, you know, I'm helping out with that Kiss project, and I was just going through some of my stuff, and I came across the the very first letter that I got from the Kiss organization. You know, going explaining what the history book was, and you know it was almost like a marketing thing you know what i mean like it's going to be it's going to be 10 pounds and it's going to be remember remember it was going to be like 10 books over many years it was going to be like a library of books hmm well that didn't happen no that didn't i guess it could have well i i remember being so excited you know, getting that and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and especially at the time, you know, that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty cool no, stuff. No, no, nothing, nothing like that existed at the time for Kiss. I, I was writing for a fans, I was writing for a couple of fanzines at the time. And, and I remember that was like, 
the topic du jour, like, you know, did you get this thing and, you know, how cool it was and, you know, uh, a lot of those things was, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was the first time you've seen it, you know. That, the, was, they were selling that at the official KISS conventions, weren't they? Was it ready by? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I remember you go to those official conventions and you they, they're selling the book, they were selling some t-shirts and they're selling those plaques they had, those weird yeah, you know, if and ever that's, there was that's time, not all, that's not all they had for sale, you know. Yeah, I, well, I've talked about it before. Just those ridiculous. Well, Peter, you remember, right? I used to sell t. I used to make my own T-shirts and sell them at the Kiss Man. Expos, and I sold boatloads of them because Kiss's products were terrible. That that that's or when no, that's when that's when Kiss had the freaking Doctor Love. A guy, yeah, the, monopoly, the, like the, the, the monopoly man about. having sex with that a dog. Stuff was so bad. I got the best story about that. Check this out. Um, I was in Japan on their tour then, when those shirts first came out, and we were. Um, it was in Nagoya. I guess it was one of the first the first show I saw at least, and it was like um, it was in the summertime, so they had a they had a setup of merchandise outside the arena. So it was kind of, you know, in the city. So there's this big plaza, like a concrete plaza that was chained off. Um, we were waiting to get in. And then there's just so we could see in the distance, you know, a couple hundred feet away. We could see this merchandise. We could see the tour books and the shirts up. We're like, oh, those are different shirts and a new tour. But we couldn't exactly see what they were. But we knew they were different. They were new. And we were like all excited. Wow, new shirts. Because, you know, back then, what did they have? A dozen pieces of merchandise for sale. And so they... They, they opened up, we got our tickets, they let us go across the plaza, and I'm walking up closer to them, and I'm coming closer and closer, and I'm seeing the Forkhead shirt and the Monopoly uh, bestiality shirt. And we're walking closer, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, well, the most reasonable explanation is I'm having this hyper-realistic dream. And I swear to God, I wasn't joking, I was serious. I'm like, oh, I'm having a dream. That's <laughs> The only possible explanation for this, and but I was thinking to myself, I remember this is awfully realistic because you know I can smell and you know because you have these dreams and you wake up and you're like, oh, that seems so real. I thought I was in a dream like that. I really did. But there's nothing that was so crazy and so well, fucking stupid. There's like just no other explanation. That that was, that was. It's like it's like I was on drugs or something. It was just like uh, it was just, well, it was unex inexplainable. You yeah, know? you as as a Kiss fan, you know, again that was. That was that time frame, like the back of the convention shirt said, fuck yeah, you, you blew were, it. Was, I was just about to bring that up. I, I, I remember buying the shirt because I was at the convention. But then outside of the convention, I'm like, I can't really wear this shirt in public. It says, fuck you, right on the back in big letters. Yeah. And that, well, that's, you know, when, that's when but... the Kiss Army leather jacket was flipping you off with the finger instead of the fist. It's almost like for like a couple year period there, they tried to become very hardcore, like a real metal band. This is what happened, Mike. It's for a couple of years there. They were just Paul and Gene were designing the stuff themselves. That's what was going on. Let me tell you. <laughs> 94, 95, they were just like, we can do this ourselves. I mean, that's my theory. I'm not trying to say that's true, but that's that's my theory. They, they, they I just, remember wanting to buy an event shirt, and I looked, and I'm like, "That's the back." I said, "I'm not wearing that anywhere." No way, and I never, I to this day, I've never owned one. But I, 
again, you know, I, I've always, Tommy, your mic's off. Sorry, I was just really surprised that they would do that, would put that out, that shirt like that out. I'm just like, because I, I remember looking at going, I, yeah, same reaction. I can't wear this somewhere, you know? Yeah, I mean, if somebody was like, if they hired a real marketing firm, they would have been like, nope. <laughs> and that would have been it, you know? It was like, no, not using this. And they, they would have known why. Cause they could have just said you 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 blew it, yeah, you know, or you missed it, or you, whatever. But yeah, <laughs> they could have just said, "Forget the haters, we won." <laughs> there you go. I'm still waiting for a shirt that says that. Forget the so, haters. We won. Yeah, on, uh, with the unofficial kiss merch. Oh, on official Kiss merch, not 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 yes. not like no. this shirt that we that sell. you can order three sides of the coin. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah that 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 whole that whole era was just uh, was was odd, and you know I started with them in '98, so they had already come through that, but there were still remnants of that merchandise still trickling around officially. And I just remember in the company we were just like, yeah you were hauling you were hauling at the expos I remember we can't sell this shit online I mean you know it, it you just, were telling me you were telling me you, how many of those six hundred fifty dollar leather jackets you were selling I remember you telling me I was like do these things really sell for six fifty you're like yeah I sold a few today I'm like seriously yeah the I, I I can't there's somebody you know how there's all those bootleg T-shirt companies you see on Facebook. There's a bootleg leather jacket company that is selling a, it looks identical to the Kiss Army leather jacket for 150 bucks. I'm not sure what kind of leather it is, yeah. but. It's probably pleather. Those jackets and the vest, remember they had the leather vest that was the same yeah. model, just sleeveless, sold all the time. And you're again. This is back in ninety eight, ninety nine. Six hundred and fifty bucks for that leather that jacket. Was a lot. That was a lot of money for a jacket back then. That's a lot of money yes. for a jacket today. I was just say it still is. But yeah, they sold them, and and there was still a few. I remember there were still a few of the jackets, or not necessarily jackets, because. The patches were made separately from the leather jacket, and then the patches were sent to the jacket company, and they were sewn on. But there were still a few of the the flipping you off patches around the warehouse that I don't. They, they might still be sitting there that just are never going to go anywhere. You, they, they took them down eventually. Then they've just made the fist. Remember? Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah, they they fixed it. <laughs> Did we lose Ed? He said he's, he'll be right back. So. Uh, okay. Probably doing a pee break or Gotta something. Got to take a leak. Hey, the struggle's real. Yeah, you guys have gotten so casual now, let me tell you. After 300-something. What number? No, you're not up to 300 yet, are you? Oh, yeah. yeah. We're, we, we, this oh, will, this will be 364. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh. So, Pete... What, uh, uh, you're still buying collections? You're still, uh, Hell doing yeah. all that? I'm working on a really big one now, like one of the biggest I've ever purchased. I don't know if I'll get it or not, but I'm working on something really big, actually. 
Come on, Mark, give him the deal. No, no. <laughs> Mark, yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for Mark to... To say fuck it, eh? <laughs> yeah. I'll move in there. I'll marry well, like you. We talked about the other day, man. You, you're up here for Christmas. we got to hook up. Yeah, absolutely. I've never seen... You're more than welcome. I've never seen Joe's. We'll talk about that off air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pete, if you ever make it out to San Francisco, you're invited to come take a look at what I've got in my boxes to decide if you're interested in it. You got it. I've got like, I don't know, that's, that's 12, 15 I, moving I boxes filled with stuff. 300 t-shirts. <laughs> I can sell anything with Kiss on it. I, when I buy collections, I buy everything. I buy the big, nothing's too big, nothing's too small. You know, your gar, your garbage. I can do something with your garbage. <laughs> I can do something with your ten thousand dollar items. Don't worry about it. So, do you see that um, the desire for a lot of that stuff is still very much there, or is it waned? Yeah. Oh hell yeah! But it always changes. Um, a really odd thing that's happened in the last few years is people stopped buying kiss items as Christmas presents. Like it all stopped. Like everybody stopped at once. December used to be like, obviously my biggest month. Now it's like, I get a little bump in December. It's kind of strange. Uh, I don't know if that's the same for all collectibles or whatever, but I, I'm not quite sure, but it's like, you know, it's a trendy thing. It, it changed. I've been doing this 33 years now. It's yeah. like it's changed constantly and you, I just got to stay on top of it. Now, this is what the trend now is. Actually, um, people want to buy the reunion stuff, the Spencer stuff that for so long we were like, ah, who's going to buy this? And people would like buy the stuff up and then a few years later bring it to conventions and set up. And, well, I'm going to, this is my payday. Nobody would buy it. But now it's like I buy collections and that's all there is to buy pretty much. Right. Uh, like whenever I buy a collection, there's like this certain collection. We call it the collection. It's the Spencer stuff. And they have one like really good item from the 70s it's usually the trash can for some reason but it's always like you're buying the same collection but that spencer stuff sells real well now people really want it i suppose is there one particular item still to this day that sticks out in your mind other than obviously costume pieces and one-offs but that is something everybody seems to want everybody want oh that's a good question god i wish it's hard for me to answer those without thinking about it. Um, people ask for, people want the those high-end costumes, Halloween costumes they used to make. They haven't made those for years. They haven't produced them. People are, there's a big demand for that. Um, okay. Fans and just non-fans, just people that want to. Hey, Pete, what about the, because matter of fact, my foot is about four inches from it right now. That Gene Simmons, Tommy. <laughs> Remember the Gene Simmons like all rubber costume? I got yes. that. <laughs> I got I that. that. I still have that all in the box. All God, I used to sell like just I sold hundreds of those. I mean, literally. It was a. That it was actually a pretty good costume. Yeah, yeah, detail. yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. What 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 I remember though, I wore it for Halloween to an office party once. Holy crap, it was like wearing a sauna suit. It was literally, I mean, I, you're all rubber, not thin. It was thick rubber that did not breathe. And, and then 
you would put the rubber mask on over it, Christ, you oh. pass out within 30 seconds wearing that whole thing. Jesus. Well, and, and I guess, yeah, I mean, that, the high-end costumes and stuff, that makes sense. I guess I was thinking more along the lines of, is it, uh, is it the trash can? Is it the remote control van? As far as 70 stuff. Um, the radio, I don't know. Sleeping bag. God, what, what is it? What are people looking for? It's like, pretty much, it's just the, the 70s are coin toys. It's like, well, people want like, uh, okay, one thing people asked for is, you know, they had the toy guitar that came out in the 70s, but there's different versions of them. And mm -hmm. one of them had, came with an amplifier in it. And there's, Joe has one. Uh, he's the only one I know that has one. And that's like so rare. But then there's also the uh, another thing people ask for is the, the microphone. There's the microphone. Then there's the microphone with the, uh, the amplifier. And I've only, in my entire time being a kiss dealer, I've only had like one, it was just a microphone and it was not in very good condition. The sticker is almost worn off. That's the only one I've, I've ever dealt with. Um, John Five told me recently that he picked up, uh, you know, he's a really big collector. He has a really good uh, Instagram page. Yes. My creatures. Uh, 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 service every day this year. He put up a brand new item of something he has. Yeah. That cool. that out. I don't know if he's put this up, but he told me he, he said he was like in a, uh, a thrift store or an antique store. And he and just he said sitting there was the microphone and the amp. There was no box. The microphone was on top of the amplifier. It was for nine dollars. Oh. Jesus. I'm not, are you kidding me? Oh. <laughs> That's like, I, I haven't heard a story that good in a long time. Those, 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 those are the kind of stories I live for when it comes yeah. to collectibles. I've always been about the hunt and and finally getting that score. Like, you know, you walk yeah, you into know. you walk into a garage sale and there is something You used to be able to do that at garage sales. Yeah. You can't even People would always tell me stories. I never found anything at a garage sale, but I heard a lot of stories, like crazy stories about garage sales. Oh, I, matter of fact, I uh, I ended up selling to, uh, I, I bought, fuck, probably 30, po this was like two years ago, about 30 posters, and I had all but one of them, so I sold all the other ones off. And a mint, and I mean stone-cold mint trash can. And... I basically sold the trash can to a, a friend of mine who you guys would all know, but I won't say who it was. I sold it to a, a friend of mine for basically. So I basically got all the posters for free because for what I paid for the entire collection, I sold the. So, I mean, I, again, I, I basically I got the one poster I needed for free, sold all the other posters. And my friend got the trash can for pretty much what I paid for everything. I, that was one of those things, and I'm happy to pay it forward. What I sold it to him for was like a quarter of what I've, I could have gotten for it. But I was, I'm was i a karma guy, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, he wanted one, and he mentioned it to me, and I'm like, hey, dude, not only do you want one, you want one that's like mint. <laughs> and when I told him the price, he about fell over. I said, well, that's what I paid for everything, so I don't give a shit. I got the one thing I needed, so I love when that kind of stuff happens, you yeah. know, but. And that was at that was at a garage sale here locally, 
And it was funny because I had a friend of mine. It's like, hey, this guy's got kiss stuff. Kiss stuff in records is what he said. And uh, sure enough, man, I went over there and only about a mile from here. I about fell over when I got so there. What was the poster that you got that you didn't have? Um, I remember. God, it was an off the wall kind of. Uh, it was weird because it was with all the other like normal ones, you know, Spirit of '76, and well, maybe it was a concert poster. But anyways, it 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 wasn't something that was like a super big deal. I just didn't have it. You know what I mean? So well, no, I'm just surprised you didn't have it. That's why I was curious. Yeah, you, so you, I you know, remember. you know what was another great find? It wasn't a garage sale find. Tommy, you might remember this. Um, where great American music used to be. Remember, there used to be a Zares, and yep. Zares is like Kmart. And I remember when Zares was going out of business, and I walked in there with my parents and walked down the toy aisle, and they had a bunch of Kiss stuff that they were, you know, it was. They didn't know the value of it. It's just like, oh, it's everything's fifty percent off. I think I got, I got one. Kiss doll. I got a Gene Simmons doll. I got the um, model van kit, which I still have unassembled. And there was one other thing that I got from there. And th those are the types of things, again, you just like, you walk in, you see something like that, and you're just like, oh my God, I hit the gold mine. I've been waiting for this, and I get it, and I get it dirt cheap. I remember going to Woolworths in Southdale. And they had a bin that had to have been three feet by three feet, three feet deep, filled with the Kiss dolls, Migos, in a box for two bucks a piece. I remember Pick and Save out west. I, I was living in Vegas. Pick and Save is a store in California and, and Nevada. Um, it's kind of a discount store. But they had, like, stacks of um, the Kiss notebooks, including the small one which is just impossible, all of them, like as many as you wanted, like stack and stack for 25 cents each. And I remember at the time I bought a few and I just like used them for taking notes and scribbling in and yeah. stuff. It was just, uh, you know, that was, that was really sweet. And I, I, I could have had so many of them and it was, it, I, I don't know. I don't know why. My, makes, but that's what makes the stuff collectible. Cause you, at the time, to your point earlier, you know, when you said it was four hundred dollars for that gold record, it might as well have been four grand. Uh -huh. yeah. I, I know I've, I've shared this story before. Well, Liz, when I first started dating Liz, started going to record stores, just shit to do on a Friday, Saturday night, or whatever. And, and you were, and we were looking through uh, in the Kiss Alive, the tour, the Alive tour book was in some. So whoever bought the tour book came home and put it in their record years later they sold the record for probably because the the record itself was like two bucks and liz pulls it i was like do you have this booklet and i'm like i do now <laughs> oh, man, that's funny i had this exact same story i almost i bought a i was going to school in uh virginia my college town they had a record store like a college record store and they had i would go there you know every week and look see what they got they had an originals and it had the alive tour book in it but it also had the love gun it had the double platinum thing basically all the you know the rock and roll ever sticker like all the inserts from all the albums plus the 
the Alive tour book with this stuffed into the the uh, Alive uh, the original jacket, you know. Amazing. And I got, and I got it for six dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that was so. That was like, that's probably the best thing that I ever came across at the time. That was like so big. You know, we've heard these stories with Kiss, but in God, this was uh, years ago. But uh, this. Here's how long ago it was. I was I was in college. I was cutting grass in the summertime, and this guy's like, "Oh, you're a big rock and roll fan or whatever." I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, I used to work at Kobo and do all this stuff in his fucking garage." And I remember this like it was yesterday. This is probably in the mid '80s or whatever. This guy had literally a box, like a comic book box of Alice Cooper killer tour books. I mean, stem to stern, mint. Like, he's like, oh, you know, whatever. These were left over whenever there was stuff left over. He goes, I had a whole bunch of stuff, but this is like the last of it. But I just remember going, you. And again, again, too, as a kid, I was more into the fact that it was just what it was instead of like the collectible aspect. And I didn't even ask him for one. He just, you know, just, hey, kid, you like rock and roll? This is something in my garage. And but I, I was more, I, I sat and talked to the guy for a while. He, he was just a, a plethora of fucking stories, you know what I mean? And meeting rock stars. And I told him Kiss was my favorite. And he said how nice Gene and Ball were. And, you know what I mean? All this. Matter of fact, here's when it was. It was, it was right, it was during the Asylum tour. So it was, what, 86? 85? 85. That's when it was. Well, you know, let's add this to the homework this week. What's the coolest thing you ever found that you scored a huge deal on? And, 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 and I, would, I would add to it, it can't be an eBay find. No. It's got to be a, like a garage sale. Yeah, yeah, flea, flea, yeah flea market, garage sale, rummage sale, uh, something like that, that you stumbled across something. Yeah, uh, some, some guy told me, uh, not my story, some guy told me he was uh, driving down the road and he, there's a truck that had a couple pinball machines in it. One of them was a German Kiss pinball machine in the United States. He said he pulled the guy over, asked him if he could buy it, and he stole it to him off the truck. Wow. <laughs> and it was a German one, too. It's like, what the hell is that? You know? That's amazing. Yeah. And see, yeah I, I love stuff. That, that's a great story. And, uh, you know, I, I found stuff at garage sales and, and things like what Michael was talking about. But, like, for me, it wasn't even a kiss item, and it doesn't have to be. What's the coolest collectible you ever scored on? I got a um, Beatles Butcher album, Unpeeled. At a garage sale for twenty five cents, so to me that was the coolest thing I ever got. A great deal on, and I, and it was you know you look for Ringo's that little V, and I'm like I couldn't freaking believe it. And this was ten years ago. People just clearing out mom stuff, you know. So you never know why you might still be able to find. So to Michael's point, it is the hunt. It's finding that yep. stuff. I, it still happens. I found uh, a couple Kiss Pacifica belt buckles many, 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 many years ago at garage sales. You know, it's just the you know you it. It's always like a shoebox filled with crap, and you just go over there and you're turning stuff over, and all of a sudden I remember seeing it was the 
It was the one with the, the demon boot belt buckle. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I've never seen this one. And it was like 50 cents. And I'm like, oh, yes. Nice. Cool stuff. Yeah. So, well, I suppose it's 6.30, 7.30 Mark, uh, Mark's time, and he wants to watch his game. So we, I suppose we, right. well, we we Yeah, we did get Mark fed before the show, but now hockey is starting. That's right. Wings are on. And they're terrible this year, but it doesn't matter. Because hey, you hockey. know what? First of all, we can't end this show with a little Viking-Lions discussion. Yeah, very, very poignant point, though, in that text message that we're just escaping the inevitable by a month. That's all it is. Yeah, but you know what? We still win more. We just don't get in, we don't get the end results, but we win. Oh, it listen, doesn't listen, matter. Listen, you'd be well, happy. If you'd right be, now, Mark, I'm displaying all. Hold on, now I am. I'm displaying all these Super Bowl rings, both franchise Lions and Vikings have won right here. This no, is I, I, I'm not disputing range. that. What I'm saying is I bet you would be extremely happy if your Lions had that many Super Bowl rings, but at least were winning games. Look, the Lions are, again, if you're a Vikings fan or a Bears fan, anybody who goes, oh, we beat the Lions. Well, look, they are the worst franchise in probably professional sports history. No, so, Cleveland Browns are is right there with them. And then, you know, Cincinnati Bengals for Andy. I mean, for Christ's sakes, they had the same coach for, what, 17 years? Although, although, if you want to split hairs, I think 1969 was the only Vikings NFL championship. Lions have four. Throwing it out there. Oh, this show is good until now. <laughs> well, you you got to admit though, too, Pete. A lot of Kiss fans, a lot of Kiss fans are are football fans. Uh, I didn't realize that. I apologize. To um, I remember. I remember Louis being like. I remember that like a big. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah. Not yeah, not, not enough to keep the L.A. Kiss alive. No, apparently not. <laughs> but I want to say also, too, before I forget, the new Black Veil Brides uh, EP is out, and you can stream their song. So get out there and support Andy. There's The two they've got videos of are actually really cool. So check them out. Yeah. Pete, you want to pimp whatever you need to pimp? Yeah. Oh, um, uh, people have been asking a lot about the next New Jersey Kid Expo. You remember the last one we yeah. did? Amazing. Ace played his. It was right around now. It was like a Ace year ago. Solo album. Yeah. Been a year ago. Um, the problem is, is you know, Kiss is on tour now. What made it really special was uh, I had Keith LaRue working with me this time. Yes. Uh, the other guys working with doesn't work with us anymore, and we were able to end up from one day to three days, and it was very successful. Yeah. Uh, and it was fun. And uh, but what obviously the it's the end of the road tour has kind of thrown us off. We have big plans. We want to have as many band members there as we can. Obviously, we can't do that for a while. Um, so it's just we will do one when there's a break and they have some time off. Um, you know, Keith and hopefully Tommy and Eric if they have time. And we, we're inviting everybody. And it's not just, it's not going to be like, oh, this year we'll have this member, this year we'll have that member. Are you going to have a certain Grammy award I winner? was just going to ask, any Grammys <laughs> going to be displayed? What do you I mean? I missed that one. Oh. He doesn't know what's going on there. Oh, Peter's not up on the, 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 the oh, Grammy yes. Bob. 
Grammy oh, Bob? Bob. I, I don't think there'll be any Grammys displayed now. Oh. <laughs> Other than that, everybody else, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's we wanted obviously. It's, there's no use to do one that's going to be half-assed or half as good as the one we do. You want to use your whole ass. So we want to, and we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do she it. Said. <laughs> and we do we we do know how to make it even bigger than the one with Ace. It sounds surprising, but me and Keith have worked it out. But we got to wait till they have a break. We're not exactly sure when that's going to be, but we will put on another one. It will be three days in the same hotel. Um, it's the best hotel we've had. It's the same one where they put on filler. It's just made. Yeah. Hell just well, has a party uh, party uh, atmosphere to it, which most hotels don't. Just the way everything's situated. It's just made for like a kiss convention, and we're really excited. And like I said, we could we I, we could have done one like half as, but then you know we'd rather wait and do. We are going to do a bigger one. It's going to be bigger than the Ace one, and it's definitely going to happen. We don't have an exact date or even month, but it's always on the top of our list, and we're we are working on it. Well, and and you know it'd be nice too. Not that this has any bearing on it, but just from a traveling standpoint. If you do something between the spring and the fall all the way, I mean, you know, because winter is so much harder and I know it worked great right before Christmas, but it's also nice for people like myself who are flying in for something like that to be able to go and stay there and enjoy the convention, but then have a couple extra days to mull around New York City and and reasonable. Yeah, Yeah, everybody would. Yeah, a lot of people would come and just make it a holiday. And the the Christmas themed event, that was probably the last time that's ever going to happen. It was just kind of odd, an odd set of circumstances. It worked out perfect. Yeah, but it, it was fun. But it's December. Yeah. yeah, it worked out. Uh, the big convention we ever did. Um, you know, nobody's done a three-day one, and the two-day ones that have been attempted in the past were failures. But um, it's uh, it's December's not the best time to put on that type of a show. But we made the best of it, and it's still sold out. And it, it was great. It, it was it was fun to have. You know, it was fun to have. People were taking, we had a Christmas themed Ace Fraley photo shoot. I still think I have those photos up Yeah. on the website. That's what njkissexpo.com. And, you know, so that's, that's just kind of the last time, you know, you're going to get to do something like that. People were like, like a lot of people made postcards. From the oh, photos. yeah, Christmas cards. I got, a lot of, I got a lot of Christmas cards mailed to me from a lot of a lot of people that attended the, the expo it was it was great because the, the photo booth we did with ace the backdrop was like a christmas backdrop we had hats, stuff people to put on and it was made to make to be made christmas cards out of and you know that's the last time you're ever going to get a chance to do that unfortunately well we'll we'll wait for updates yeah, yeah obviously be, let us know and we'll uh we'll start it when, and actually we have we actually have two events we're going to do we, we are thinking of a west coast one um, and that's going to be like, it's going to really surprise you. It's going to, it's, it's going to be really special. It's going to be completely different than any other. It's going to be like a kiss expo, but the theme is going to knock your socks off. Think, think about that guys. Think about what that keep us in, keep us informed as to what happens. Yeah. Tommy oh, yeah. and I have another trip out West. We need yeah. to, take, so. we, yeah, we need to get to LA. Whenever, yeah, whenever we can, like at the. Got some pasta waiting for you guys. All you know, the, those little mini burgers were. That's right. Oh, we have all the information there. Uh, okay. But we don't. We don't really have it now. But when we get it, we will post it there. Okay. Oh, and then when we're done here, don't hang up. I got a quick question. So. Sure. So, there so, you go. so, so, so there, there you go. You got your homework. What was your best find? It doesn't even have to be a kiss find. What was your best find? 
just not on eBay. Okay. That's, yeah. that's easy. Every, anybody can do that. Anybody yeah. can get lucky and find the eBay listing that's dirt cheap. This has got to be about the hunt. How long did it take you to finally find something? What did you stumble across? It's all about the hunt. It's all about the hunt. Um, As Leonard Skinner said. <laughs> uh, so if you're watching us on YouTube, it would be really appreciated if you hit that little red subscribe button in the lower right corner. And head over to iTunes, leave us a review and a rating. We love to see how we're doing around the world on iTunes. We're always around the number 10 spot in so many countries. Um, and I think that's it. Is there anything else? Yes. Yeah, the puck drops in 15 minutes. Let's go. <laughs> Good Lord. All right, that's it. Three sides of the coin. We're out of here. See you next week. Thanks, guys. the show go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of three sides of the coin thanks download your free free copy of the kiss school of marketing 11 lessons i learned working with kiss the number one downloaded business book on noise trade go to books.noisetrade.com slash michael brandvold you're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. So you love the show. Go to iTunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.